Welcome to the inaugural podcast for Tales from the Stalls. This podcast will feature interviews with equine professionals, trainers, horse enthusiasts, and the business people who have evolved the equine industry into what it is today. We will discuss all the equine disciplines and talk about lifetime stories from the industry and what has helped people intertwine their love for horses into lifelong businesses, passions, or just recreational escapes. Tales from the Stalls is about the people, the amazing horses, and even our beloved dogs who spend so much time with the horses, and how they have transformed our barns, stables, and our lonely stalls in our sanctuaries and homes. Today's guest is one of the people that has really helped evolve the Western equine world, and his name is Robert Lieber. Uh, Mr. Lieber was with Wrangler, one of the foremost names in Western sports and equine sports. And he's going to discuss his experience in the roping world with his horses, as well as his business experience dealing with Wrangler and basically being the contact between the athlete and the representation with Wrangler Sports. I first met Mr. Lieber. I had everybody tell me about this great guy and his background. I did not expect to meet such a humble person. And he's got great stories to tell about the equine world. And it's going to probably take me asking specific questions to draw out some of his great experiences that he's had. But hopefully, Robert Lieber will just volunteer some of the good stories. So, Mr. Lieber, Robert, welcome to the show. You're on our podcast. This is giving you an opportunity to tell people about the great experiences you've had in the Western space and the equine space. And so why don't you just give everybody a little bit of intro about uh, what you've done thus far in your lifetime with the equine world. I've been in the Western industry for 45 years now. 30 of it was in sales. 15 of it was uh, manager of special events marketing for the Wrangler brand. Over the years with the Wrangler brand, we had to, I put many promotions together, won many awards. I'm bragging on myself now. When I was in El Paso, there was a retailer out there that said, you need to start roping. And I said, you know, let me, I'll go with you and let me just see what this is all about. So I went to the roping and I watched him rope. And the only thing I could think of was, well, I can do that. That looks easy. Of course, this guy never, never caught it. So I didn't have much to go on. So I you know, started roping, bought a horse, been in love with it for the last 45 years. Matter of fact, I'm still to this day, roping. I roped a little bit in the PRCA. I didn't make it to the NFR, but I enjoyed myself, made some great friends. When my career was over with, I continued to rope, and I went to work for my son that owns Leverage Media Solutions, which we are now working with Brian and his crew at Equine Ham Solutions. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Wrangler, because it's not just that uh, you worked for Wrangler. You did some tremendous things for Wrangler. Why don't you uh, let the audience know what you did at Wrangler and what your specialties were? Well, again, my job was manager of special events. What this included was signing up in Northeas, putting together promotions, working with rodeo committees. So I knew everybody in the industry or I made friends with everybody that we could work with as a company. So we had a very good relationship with not only our competitors, but other people in the Western industry. With that experience, you're you talking, you never qualified for the NFR, but you're out there each year. Why are you out there each year? Well, like I said, my job was to 
to put endorsees or cowboys and cowgirls on the endorsement team for the Wrangler brand. So by doing that, you have to watch a lot of rodeos, see what they're doing, make sure they're behaving themselves, because the worst thing you can have is, is kind of an outlaw out there. And I've had to cut some people from the team that I didn't think were right for the brand. And that was the hardest part of the job, to be honest with you. You just, they think they're doing right when they get to a certain level. You know, they're all great guys. They, but they, their one goal in life is to get to the NFR. And that's, that's the carrot at the end of the road. So you, you, you have to learn to be really flexible with these people because, again, their job is to get to the NFR, and that's where we want them to go to. That, that's, that's what makes everything click. What are, without giving any names, like what are some of the examples of some bad circumstances when you had to release some of the athletes that you had signed for Wrangler? Well, most of it had to do with either fighting or, or drugs. It's real easy when you're on the road for, for 10, 12 hours driving to take something. And you can really notice it by the, the loss of weight, or just their tone, you know, how they address people, how they, how they associate themselves with people. And it's a full-time job. It really is. You just can't, you can't be involved with all these people and know all these people and uh, and do your job without kind of being part of their lives. How accustomed do you come with these the the side riders? I mean, do they become friends of yours, or how how does the relationship they do become kind of? And you you can weed out the ones that are doing doing it just for the money, and you can and you know which ones are doing it because their hearts in the brand. They want to do what's best for the brand or for the sport. I made a lot of friends. I feel like. I mean, I've had a few of them call me since I retired saying, we missed you. Is there any chance you could come back, go back with Wrangler? And I said, no, uh, you know, the world is changing. I'm uh, 71 now, and I realized it's time to move on. Just a, Here's another short story. When I went to work for this company, I was 22 years old. And I can remember the job that I wanted was to work in the rodeo department. Well, there was a guy there that he was probably, I don't know, he could have been 50 for all I know. I'm 22. Everybody's old. Once you're 22, I can remember going, you know what? That's the job I want. When is this old fart going to retire? Well, now I'm that old fart. So I decided it was time for me to retire. So let the next guy come on. But yeah, lots of lots of great friends, and I, which I still have to this day. Now, you, you mentioned that you did some roping and that you didn't qualify for the uh, PRC, I mean, the NFR, but you were a good roper, weren't you? Yeah, I really don't. I want to brag on myself, which I don't do a lot of, but I, I was fortunate enough one year to win uh, the Perry de Loretta, which that was back in 2010, because I had to look over at the saddle that I won. I won that, I think I was seventh or eighth high team back, and we won that, and that paid 100 200,000, 100,000 a man. So that was probably my biggest win. And here's another funny story. So I used to go over a guy's name, Ritz Skelton, which everybody that's has to do with rope. And I used to go over to his house all the time and rope. I was over at his house after the one that, and I was practicing my healing, and something just didn't feel right. And I looked over at him and I'm going, 
I got to about what? And then I go, why am I asking you? You ever want 100,000? She's back when things didn't pay as well as that. So that was, the, everybody started laughing and I was laughing. I, I told him later, I said, I wasn't trying to, I was just, just checking with you. But anyways, it's, you know, I've always been under the deal that if you can't have fun, let's don't do it. So I, everything I do, I try to have fun. Have fun and, well, and when, try you're, to when you're rope people. Huh? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. And try to make the people that I'm around as comfortable as possible. Uh, there's nothing worse than working with people that are so uptight. So I, do I joke around a lot? I do. And I think that's my way of trying to loosen them up, you know, so we can all have fun. So when it comes to roping, how much of it is really the horse versus the roper, in your opinion? You know, you've got to have some ability. In my case, it was probably 90% me and 10% the horse. And there's another joke. I would say, I, I made this comment about, I don't know, 25 years ago that I thought the horse was everything. Without the horse, you can't do your job. So I almost believe it's 75 to 80% is the horse and, and 20% is, is myself. you got to have some athletic ability or it doesn't work. And what, what did you always see as far as when you wanted a horse and that performance for the horse for the roping, what were you looking for at a horse? I would look at his, uh, just make sure he flexed. I would ride him, see how he stopped. I've always looked for horses four to six that, that weren't trained or that were ex-cutters or ex-rainers. And then what I would do, I had a, there's a gentleman in Granbury called Clay Logan. I would take him once I bought the horse because I already had other horses I was riding. So for future use, I'd buy that horse, send him to Clay Logan's for two or three years, and then they were ready to go by the time I got them back. Because, you know, with raining and cutting, they're, they're so front-endy that it took a while to, to get a horse to quit going to the head. So, he, and there was many a times I would ride them for a little while just to get them, just to get them a little broke in the box so they didn't have to spend a lot of time in the, in the box. Or I'd get a helomatic. And I track it around, but they they knew a little bit. Instead of when I sent them to the trainers, they had to start off from day one. So the best thing I always felt like was get the some of that stuff out of the way, where they could go right to training instead of teaching them to stand in the box and stuff like that. And when you look back at all your years roping, was there one or two horses that just sit in your mind as your favorite horse, your best horse? Absolutely. Run, there was uh, had to do a run. If you had to do a run right now, who would be your go-to horse? Are uh, the horses I have right now? No, right now. If you had a go-to run, if you're sitting back at going for that hundred thousand dollars, what horse would you want to do that? Well, I have a horse. He's a highbrow cat. He's sixteen right now, and this horse has been crippled for the past ten years. I don't know whether you want me to go into this. So here's the deal. Ten years, he comes up crippled. I was roping in really deep sand. And he, got, he pulled a tendon, something in his front leg. I take him to the vet, and the vet says, you will never ride him again. And I go, you know, it's what I've noticed in the horse industry. If you lay off something long enough, God has a way of healing these animals. I laid off him a while. And then he wasn't getting any better, so I took him to uh, 
a doctor in College Station, and his name escapes me now, very good vet. He, he nerved him in the front, so got him nerved. It lasted, no, well, I take that back. Let me go back. I took him to a vet around Weatherford. He nerved him, and after I got through with that, I'm going, man, I don't like the way this guy works. I'm not going to say his name, but there's a, there's an excellent, there's a lot of good vets. So I go to this. So after two or three years goes by, because a lot of times, you know, that nerve will grow back. So after two or three years, I took him to this vet in College Station, and I said, look, I've had this, I've had this uh, horse nerve. I, I don't think that guy did a very good job on him, so I would like you to look at him. So he looked at him. He said, yeah, I can, I can, I'm can. i going to have to go further up the leg, but I think I can get it done. Well, in the meantime, I was giving this horse Prevacox, THC, you name it. I was giving this horse this because I thought, and it would work for a little while, then we'd go right back to the same deal. So anyways, this vet in College Station started doing the uh, – the, the nerve on the front right foot. And he he calls me right in the middle of surgery, and he's showing me the camera on the horse. He's saying, look, where I'm doing this is right next to the other lip, and there's too much calcium that builds up, and that's what's happening. It's pushing that calcium from the first nerve is pushing against. I don't know whether this will ever work, and I hate to spend your money, Robert. And I'm going, wow, I'd be rather vet say that. He says, what do you want to do? I says, let's do it. Let's go ahead. You're already there. Let's let's try it. If it doesn't work, I'm out the money. I get it. I appreciate you calling. So he came back, and I laid off him. I forgot what it was, maybe two or three weeks. And he seemed to be okay. Well, years gone, went by. He still wasn't right. He just, you know, he wasn't right. So now I run into you guys, and I got I talked to Logan about different solutions and what I needed. I knew this horse had a little bit of uh, navicular in his front leg also, along with everything else. So I started giving him one scoop of the premium pellets and one scoop of the lid with the yellow. What do they call that? I'm sorry. The hemp flavin pellets. The hemp flavin, yeah. So one scoop of that. I did it every morning. And after three weeks, I'm seeing... It may have been two weeks. I'm seeing a big change in this horse. I let him out of the stall. He goes to bucket. He chases the other horses now. So the other day, this kid that I have riding him, he rode him at a at a little jackpot and I said, What do you think? He says, Man, I don't know what you did to this horse, but man, he is he is okay. I'm telling you. And I said, I watched him. I watched you riding. And I'm gonna tell you, I couldn't have been more pleased with the horse. We just need to keep him on this. So as of the last two months, I have not uh, given him any Prevacox. The only thing I've given him is the yellow lid and the red lid. I'm sorry I'm calling this that, but they are flavins, the flavins, and they're the pellets. But that's the only, I only give it to him once a day, and that's in the morning. And I just, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, I wish I'd have had this stuff with some of the horses I've given away in my because I've given away some good ones to people that have said, you know, every vet thinks they can cure a horse. And I'm not being mean to vets, but but remember I gave this horse to this one vet, 
He said, man, I can't afford this horse. And he was another eyebrow guy, horse. I says, I'm not asking you for money. He's yours. The only requirement is you can't bring him back. So just the other day, I was thinking about him with this stuff, with what was going on. And I called him. I'm going, hey, you still got that horse? I'd like to have him back if, you don't, if you're not using him. Well, he had already given him away to somebody else. So that was, that was the end of this. But I couldn't be more grateful for you guys with that with those pellets it's i i wouldn't have believed i'm telling you it's something you have to experience to believe that's the most difficult thing with this and equine hip solutions and equine health solutions are sponsors of this podcast and i wasn't expecting that plug but that plug is very much appreciated but that's the issue it's so many people i mean if someone had told you robert before experiencing this, that, hey, if you take some of this natural holistic pellets, it's going to make your horse much better. What would your response have been? I said, I already tried everything in the world. It's just not going to happen. I've got to get rid of this horse. I'm tired of feeding. So y'all y'all couldn't have came on at a better time. That's my best story. I mean, I do have another on the human side. You have a, a solution on the human side. It's for people that don't sleep at night. Well, this friend of mine, his name is Charles, and uh spent the night at his house one night, and I wake up about midnight, so you know what to do. You know, you get up at midnight. Anyways, I hear something, and I go in the, the room where the uh, kitchen and the TV, and he's sitting there in the chair. I don't say anything. I go back to bed, and next morning, we're uh, driving to Relpin, and I'm going, what's wrong with you? What? Tell me what's wrong with you. Maybe I can help you. I've, we've got... I'm working with a company now that I think they might have something that'll help you. He says, well, Robert, every time I go to bed, I get up because I've got them. I can't sleep for one. And the other thing is I've got that restless leg syndrome. I go, okay, let's try something. So I get a hold of Logan and, and I tell her what the deal is. And she says, okay, do this, do this. Well, so I get him a bottle of this sleep and stuff. And after three, four days, he calls me and he says, this ain't working. I go, okay, tell me what you do. I said, are you shaking the bottle up? You got to shake the bottle up. You got to you gotta at least be on it four or five days before it to really work. You got to give it a chance. So he says, okay, I'll, I'll go back to trying it. Well, about three weeks later, he calls me and he says, where do I get some more of this? <laughs> so, so uh, which is pretty cool. He goes, I got to tell you something else. He says, in three weeks, I've only had one episode of this restless leg syndrome. I go, are you kidding me? I said, these people are going to go nuts when I tell them this story because I still believe there's stuff that this stuff does that we don't know about. We don't know what all the, the cures, and unless you try it and hear these stories from you guys, I mean, it's it's unbelievable, man. So every day I see him, you know, I'm going, he said, I'm just about out. I need to, I said, well, you got this code, use the code. Call Equine Hemp Solutions and order some more. And, you know, one of the questions they were asking me, which I really didn't know, was, well, do, don't they have a bigger bottle than this little bottle? We've not yeah. been asked that question before, Robert. So we've always just had that one 30 ml bottle thinking that one dropper once a night. But that's something we can look into. Yeah. You know, what? I, what I guess the other thing that goes through my mind on this is, should you... If you're taking like two or three bottles and it's working good, should you should you 
lay off it a week to see if it's really, you know what I'm saying? Or no? Yeah, I mean, we have we have we have people that go off it just to see what the actual effect is, and if it is, put them into a, a place where they can get natural sleep without it. And we have some, and they'll always come back. They'll always come back. They'll lift stuff wears off just like anything else. So it's not like you're you want to help them as much as you can. I always want to do that. I always want to do that, and I always want to help the horses. And like hearing the story about your horse. And bringing a horse back to life is what it's that's what it's really all about uh, for me. You know, I, I can't tell you what I owe you guys for that, but don't send me a bill. Well, we won't send you a bill, but I do have to ask you though. I I didn't know this. You're a Vietnam veteran, so I was the last year for the draft, and I was 15, and I got really lucky that my father-in-law was pretty high up in a reserve unit. He wasn't an officer; he was a sergeant. And they were able to keep me from going to Vietnam, but I did have to serve in the Air Force. During Vietnam, you were in the Air Force. What what were you actually doing for the in the Air Force? I was checking people's shot records, and I was at stationed at Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth. So anybody that went to Vietnam flew out of Carswell because it was a SAC base. I don't know what that means. And at the same time, we would have to load the C-5s with equipment going to Vietnam, along with the the uh, troops. So that was my job. And I've heard a story about you wearing a wig. Well, when you're in the reserves, your whole life isn't isn't in the in the service. So back in the day, they allowed, if it was good, they allowed you to wear a wig. I had pretty long, not real long. I had long hair, so I wear a wig, and, and nobody ever knew it. It just so once I got through, once I was off work, you know, most people didn't recognize me because I took the wig off. But even my father-in-law, which was the first sergeant, I don't. He must not have realized I had a wig on because my hair wasn't real long, but it was longer than they allowed. Right. And so this wig concealed your real hair so that it looked like it was a more of a shorter cut? Yes. Just- yes. I had to be above the ears, not like it is now, you know, but back then I, I wore it a little longer. It was just those days. I believe we're returning to those days again. So I'll probably let it grow out again. Okay. How about you? you I'm bald. That's all there is to it, man. <laughs> I've also been told and, and looked this up. During your days at Wrangler, you worked with some pretty high-end country stars. Isn't that correct? I did. Best known would be George Strait. Oh, that's just a little bit of a name drop right there. Not that big of a guy. Yeah. Good guy. Really down to earth. Got to go over and rope with him. Played golf with him. And to this day, you know, I still have his cell number. I don't bother him anymore. Uh, Last time I saw him, uh, it was him and his wife. And I said, what's... uh, What's George doing? She says, he's about to drive me crazy. He's got to go back on the road. Sure enough, he went back to playing. You know, so he's, I know he plays Vegas during the NFR. And I think he does a lot of private gigs, I think. But I don't, I really don't think he does more than like eight or 10. But I don't think he, this is just me saying this, but I don't think he needs the money. I just think he gets bored just having nothing to do. But, you know, I think he gets bored being at home. Same way 
that I get bored when I retire. I was about ready to throw that in there. You were retired from Wrangler, and it appears that you must have had a little board like George Strait, and that's when you and your son Cody started Leverage Media, correct? Yes, it was two months after I retired, and uh, but he was at the time he was working for the Cowboy Channel, and before that he worked with for Learfield Sports, so he did a lot of uh, sports marketing stuff and. Yeah, one channel stuff. So he, he got a pretty good education in the media world and the uh, media bias and stuff like that. Yes, he started that company and then he looked at me one day and he says, You know, you know how to do this. You know this. You've got all the contacts. I go, No, I don't have any contacts. Yeah, you do. I want you to help me. I said, Okay. So I kind of quit the other companies. I had some that I was doing some part time stuff and so now I'm doing helping him. So what is Le- Leverage Media? It's a marketing company that specializes in the Western industry, not only with with social media, uh, web pages. We can get you an endorsement team. If you, if you look into get in the Western industry, we can get you an endorsement team. If that's what you want to be. We can hook you up with companies as far as sponsorships, just anything to do with the Western industry. So basically... You were able to take all those years and experience of what you did at Wrangler and then just transfer it over to, to this new venture. Correct. I never now, thought I, I would work for my son. I was about ready to say, what is it like working with or for your son? It's pretty good because I can just hang up. I just <laughs> tell him to shut up. But, you know, I got I to gotta edit it to me. I've, I've seen some stuff he's done, presentations and stuff he's put together and just blows me away. I go, what did you learn to do all that? And he says, I, that company, Learfield, which is part of Endeavor, he said, they have uh, their their whole marketing forward going forward is all about making the customer happy, making it look good, making sure we're, we're trying to help them. We're not here just for the money. We're here to help them and watch them grow and be part of it. So I'll I was pretty impressed with just his reply. And I asked him, I go, how was that working for Cowboy Channel? He said, well, it was different. He said, but I always, I'm always thankful Cowboy Channel for giving me the opportunity to be with them learning what I learned. Never a bad word. Always great. Right. Always positive. Well, we never ever got, I, I wanted to get the name of the horse, the horse that you remember the most out of all the years. His name is CP. We call him CP. His real name is Cat in Play. Now, where that comes in, I, I'm not sure. I, you know, usually when he said, when your horse is out of somebody like eyebrow, there's usually a, a high in there or a brow or something. He's pretty well, really well bred. He came from a big time trainer and, and uh, or not, not trainer, but out that they had their own trainers, they had their own vets. But it was another contact I made in this industry where they knew that I was looking for putting rejects, if that's what they call them, rejects. And at the time, he had three of them. So I went over there and bought one, and I got home. And, and actually, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't take him home. I took him to Charles's place. Charles was the one with the sleep that I talked about. And I said, get on this horse for me. I'm going to drive this, this helomatic around the sled and tell me what you think. He goes, you want to sell him? I go, no, but they've got two more. Let's go. 
we get in the car and go back and he buys the other ones. So good bred horses. Just to show you how up these people were, their vet on hand, the records I got on what was done to this horse over the, the five years, he was five-year-old when I bought him. The five years was unbelievable. I mean, nobody keeps records like these people. That was their business. When you went and approached these other endorsees that have endorsed our product, how did they respond when you said, hey, I, I want you to try this equine hemp solutions? How was their response to it? They were a little iffy. They wanted to know more about the product. So the only thing I could do was to call Logan and have her go over it with him because I'm not educated enough on this stuff. And I, I was afraid I was going to say the wrong thing. Not that there's, there's, a, there's a, it's not that it was a wrong thing. It's just maybe not the right thing to say. I got to appreciate Logan for all she's done and helped with these, but you've got to have a person like Logan that takes the time out of her schedule and works with these people. But once she worked with them, they were on board. I can't tell you how, how quickly they they turned around, but thank you, Logan. And have you had anybody, have any of them contact you back talking about how well the product worked on their horse or anything like that? Yes. Yes. Matter of fact, the, matter of fact, most of them said, okay, we'll try it. I'm going, look, here's the deal. Do not, I can sign you up right now, but I want you to work with this stuff for a couple of weeks, which is why it drug out a little bit longer than I hoped, but I wanted them to be fully on board. So after Logie visited with them and got them what they need, then after a couple of weeks of them working with the stuff, then it was, it was an easy sell. And now word's getting out. We're starting to get other people calling, I think, going forward. It'll be a lot easier on you to approach some of these people and uh, put them on the team. Well, we'll have a, a good time at the NFR this year. That's one thing for sure. And I hope you prepared, Brian, because it's a lot of work. And then if you could, out of all your years at Wrangler, if you could name one or two athletes you worked with that just stick out as the best you were working with, who would they be? Probably Trevor Brazil, Coleman Proctor. And why? And it'd be like Sage, Kimsey, another. They were just, they just stood out above the rest as far as the, the communication level and, and what they accomplished. You know, it's, you know, everybody wants to be associated with one place, but they were good people at the same time. They didn't, yeah, Trevor was good with horses. Coleman Proctor was just a good all around person. He was good with horses. Sage, uh, I don't know whether he was good with horses. He was an excellent bull rider. And just a good, all three of them were good families. You know, they're good to their family. Upstanding people, really good. Well, we're running out of time here, but I guess if you were to close this and you were to give some advice to the people in the Western world right now, the equine space, on what you've learned from horses in the industry, what would that Sage advice be? Well, the advice would be uh, stick with good people. So, you know, you're guilty by who you associate with. So if you're gonna if you're gonna hang out with somebody, hang out with somebody that's got a really good reputation, because the rest of it won't do you any good. And whatever you do, when someone suggests something for, that's good for your horse, listen to them, try it. You got nothing to lose. Which that goes back to me plugging the 
equine hip that I guess you could say I was a non-believer until that. And then I started taking it. So give, give this stuff a try, guys. Well, thank you very much, Robert, for being on the uh, Tales from the Stalls podcast. And uh, we thank you and thank everything you've done for the Western world. Look for it future to uh, doing more business with you. Well, I'm looking forward to it also. And I, again, I want to thank Logan for all her help uh, with the endorsees that we signed. And, and uh, we got a gr- good, excellent group of endorsees. So, Logan, we're going to need your help going forward. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our show, the Tales from the Stalls, and uh, look forward to our upcoming shows, and we'll continue to be posting them on Spotify and other podcast networks. Thank you very much.